the running pod from Trackster. Welcome back to another episode. We've got a very interesting uh, conversation coming up for you today. We're joined by the CEO and founder of Premax, a specialist manufacturer of sports uh, skincare products. Uh, and I wouldn't want to do him a disservice by introducing him for you. So, uh, Randall, I'll hand the floor over to you. Uh, if you could just tell uh, our listeners a little bit about you and a bit about your experience and background. Yeah, hi, Josh. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I've been looking forward to this. I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually by trade. I'm a sports physiotherapist. I've had a really fortunate uh, career in, um, in sports. I've, I've worked with um, plenty of elite teams and athletes over um, more than 20 years. I started off working in um, uh, Australian rules football, um, which is kind of our version of uh, uh, your English Premier League. Uh, so it was quite prestigious. There's a lot of media pressure on the athletes and, um, and the medical team to, to get the athletes in great condition. We, I also spent about a decade uh, traveling around with our Winter Olympic team. And um, that was a very different sport. Um, but also, um, interestingly, I, I, have, I, I did treat a number of uh, track and field athletes and had quite a close association with a number of those as well. So whilst I had a lot of experience as a physio in football and also in skiing, uh, running is really quite close to my heart. Um, so yeah, I'm a, by trade, I'm a sports physiotherapist, but we might talk about it a little bit more, Josh, but uh, obviously I fell into um, thinking that uh, skincare for sport and athletes was really important. So uh, I'm not doing too much hands-on work as a physio these days. I'm, I'm also worrying about uh, making sure athletes are uh, taking care of their skin. Yeah, I can imagine. And I don't know much about Aussie rules football, but having played uh, a bit of rugby previously, I can imagine some of the injuries you're dealing with with Aussie rules football and track and field athletes is slightly different, um, just to show the sort of range. Well, of yes and, yes and no, actually. Uh, yeah, the interesting thing about the Aussie rules football is that they do a lot of running. So in an average um, game, uh, there's different positions, obviously, um, but the players who are in the middle of the ground uh, called the midfielders, some of those guys will do 20 kilometers um, in two hours of play. And um, even wow. the, the, uh, the players um, who are kind of either down the forward end or down the back end as, um, uh, as defenders or attackers, um, most of those uh, athletes will kind of do seven or eight kilometers, most of it at pretty high intensity speed as well. So. Um, you have to be very familiar with running injuries. The, 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 the AFL athletes have a lot of hamstring issues. They have a lot of calf issues. Um, they uh, certainly get, you know, tendon issues like the patella tendon and Achilles as well. But I'm sure many of your listeners would have seen highlights of AFL football on <laughs> TV and it's definitely a crash and bash sport as well. So that's the interesting thing as a physio is, is that you're not only you're dealing with the overuse running injuries, um, but you're dealing and patching them up with all the collision injuries as well. Yeah, and obviously we're going to talk a lot about uh, importance of skin and how, you know, taking proper care of it can improve your performance. I just wondered if, you know, based on that vast experience you've got of working a number of sports, and it's a question we often get asked by our followers and by our listeners, is, is if you had sort of one piece of advice that you could give to a runner or, or an athlete of any sport, really, about how to avoid injury and recover better what what would you what would you say oh, the, the number one piece of advice for sure is just um, uh, take care of your training loads and, and graduation of your training loads most of the time that people come and see us is um, when things have um, increased really fast 
and not necessarily it's just volume. It, it also can be intensity of training as well. Um, the older you are, the, the, the longer it takes to, to kind of make a change as well. So make training changes gradual. And the obvious um, example is, is, is people um, increasing their training when they're building up to doing a, you know, a five kilometer race or a marathon or something like that. But the interesting thing also is, is that we know that particularly with people who are quite well trained and who have been running for a long time, if they go down the other way and actually reduce their training for, for an extended period of time, that can sometimes unveil injuries and, and issues as well. Sometimes at the bottom when they're actually kind of resting and have rested for a few weeks. But most of the time when they start to progress back to where they are, most of those times is where we see um, sleeping issues kind of unveil themselves as well. So yeah, training load management is paramount. That's interesting, isn't it? About, you know, experienced athletes, because I think often a lot of people assume that uh, running injuries affect only more experienced, uh, less experienced runners and the sort of regular running injuries uh, are something that the those experienced runners have sort of got over but um that have, that's not the case no definitely not there are differences in um in beginner injuries and experienced running injuries but generally if you look at them as a group um the beginners get more injuries um and experienced runners get less and some of that is um uh um, kind of you know strength and fitness and all those things that it would be quite obvious to anyone but I think a big part of it also is is um, the 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 experience of actually being an athlete and understanding and listening to your body and knowing when it's time to push and knowing when it's time to actually pull back um, and also being in charge of yourself as well see this often as a, as a physio where young athletes in any sport just doesn't have to be track and field and running is that they just try and take advice from everywhere so if this guy, if this guru says this, they'll do it. If that guru says that, they'll do it. And they get totally confused and try and do it all. But once you see people really succeed in the sport, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're at the Olympic Games. Um, it could be that they've just had a great running career for 20 years, for instance, and very rarely got injured and they've just been super consistent, is that they understand their own bodies and they take charge of their own body as well. And, and, and they're, they're the captain of their own ship. Yeah, I know. Certainly for me, I've, I've fell fell foul of that in the past. So uh, that's that's great advice. Uh, let's talk a bit about the skin because it's uh, it's something that perhaps we don't talk about enough. And uh, and I'm going to ask you in a moment to talk a bit bit more about it. But um, I read that you're only you're one of only fifty specialist sports physiotherapist that's quite difficult to say specialist sports physiotherapists in australia um so so what does that mean first of all uh, in australia there's there's three tiers of uh, clinical physiotherapists so not the academics who are doing the research but people who are getting their hands on people every day the first is when you just graduate with a under, undergraduate degree you become a physiotherapist after usually doing a master's degree and a certain amount of experience, and then you go through a training program and exam, um, then you become what's called a sports physiotherapist or a neurological physiotherapist. And in the last 10, 15 years, there's also a third tier, um, which is referred to as a specialist um, physiotherapist in Australia. So we have sports, we have neurological, cardio, respiratory, et cetera. And to do that, you actually have to go through a two-year training program um, you do have, you go for a weekend at the Australian Institute of Sport. We actually get examined by other specialist sports physiotherapists. You have to pass exam, you do live patients and you just have to show 
that um, you're at the, the level of the highest level of profession um, as a clinician um, in Australia. So it's pretty hard to, to kind of get in. I was very fortunate to, to kind of trick my way through the exams, but I got there. And, um, and yeah, there's only, there's only 50 of us here. <laughs> there's only 50 sports uh, specialist sports physiotherapists here in Australia. So I'm one of a pretty select and, uh, group, and I'm very, I'm very pleased to be part of it. Yeah, well, it's you know that just reinforces what a privilege it is to be talking to you. Um, so, about the skin, I mentioned just before that it's something that we don't often talk about, particularly when it comes to sports performance. Anyway, why? Why do you? You know, you've done a lot of research into this area. Why do you think that is? Uh, it's. I mean, the skin's really taken for granted. Um, people don't think it does a lot. It just sits there, and um, you know, basically. A lot of a lot of the conversation around skin is about beauty, and that it's not there as a performance organ for athletes, but it is our largest organ. Um, it's in charge of our thermoregulatory system. Um, it's our barrier to infection, and or one of them. But you know, it's either through the skin or through the, the mouth and the nose. Basically, is the main ones. So, and I'm sure that you'd be able to uh, count examples as well as where when people have problems with the skin, um, it can really affect your training. And it can really affect, um, you know, performance um, and competition at times as well. Being here in Australia, you know, it gets hot, it gets sweaty. Um, we see like the, when the tennis players come down for the Australian Open in Melbourne every year and it gets to 40 degrees, there's at least two or three that pull out every year because of blisters um, and they never get them before. So it, it can, uh, the, the, the challenge sometimes like in sports medicine, in a lot of respects is actually trying to educate athletes on prevention of problems and skin definitely kind of falls into, into that category. Um, but if you don't get it right, you certainly know about it and kind of going back, I would make, obviously we'll talk about the, the brand a little bit, but I, I don't want to talk yeah. about it too much because I'd really prefer just to talk about the issue of skin in sport. But, you know, when I was working um, with the Hawthorne football club and with the skiers as well, the, the penny dropped when, you know, we were using massage oils and greasy petroleum-based kind of massage creams on them. And they just kept complaining. They would say, listen, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you loosening up my back or my glutes and getting me ready to go out and hit the track. Um, but I, I need to go and shower now because I don't feel my skin can breathe. Um, this stuff that's on my skin is distracting me. I don't like it. And when you're kind of at that level of sport, you know, you're always encouraged to look at the things that you can make a 1% difference in and, yeah. and change and improve an athlete's experience and performance. And it's at that point, it's like, hang on, I'm going to take this seriously and have a look at the, the role of skin in sport. And um, I was, I suppose I was really fascinated with it, but also um, a, a little bit perplexed actually that, you know, no one had actually had that conversation and um, spoken about it, um, you know, at length. So you know, 15 years ago, I thought I'd take it seriously and I'm still taking it seriously now. Yeah, well, and you've developed a, a line of, of products to, to help with some of, these, some of these issues. I think, and I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna talk about a few of those, in a, a few of those now. For, for runners, I think they're most like, who are, who are generally the audience of this, this podcast, although I'm sure we have a few triathletes, although we whisper that quietly. Um, I'm sure, uh, for runners, they're most likely they're going to be using your uh, weather defense cream, your uh, sunscreen, your anti-friction cream and your warm up cream. Uh, how do you think those products specifically can can benefit runners? 
Well, let's go back. We'll get, we'll tackle one at a time. So if we, I mean, let's talk about just um, the, uh, the sunscreen. So one of the things when I started digging into the area and, and speaking to athletes um, and particularly like endurance runners um, about what sunscreens they use, um, the thing that was I found extremely surprising is that there was a lot of them who said, listen, I'll put sunscreen on when I go down to the beach, but I won't put sunscreen on when I actually go and do a serious training session or go and compete. And the obvious question was why not? And um, a lot of them said, listen, it just, it, it just um, I don't feel like I can breathe. I feel like I overheat. Um, the, the sunscreen uh, drains into my eyes and stings it. And um, I don't like concentrating. And you mentioned you might have a few triathletes listening in and particularly like um, if um, they're on the bike, for instance, and they've got a helmet on, um, it's really hard to kind of wipe that away. So in looking at the, you know, the other products that were around at that stage, um, I couldn't find anything that was suitable. So again, it's just the right, need to do something about this. So we went off and developed a, a sunscreen that was dry and light and didn't sweat out as much, but you know, obviously coming from Australia, the sun's pretty strong down here. So um, we made it SPF 50 plus as well. So it's super strong and, uh, and satisfied the need that wasn't there. And I suppose taking my brand hat off and putting my physio hat on, the thing that, um, and, and as a health professional, the thing that really worried me was that, you know, skin cancer is real and skin damage is real. And, you know, for runners, if it's just a once off, then you probably accept it. But the, the, the athletes were telling me they were just doing this day in, day out, always getting burnt. And we know from research that, um, that you get burnt enough, your chances of getting skin, ca uh, skin cancer later in life go absolutely through the roof. So it's like a public health kind of thing here for athletes. They're not looking after their skin well enough. So actually the sunscreen was one of the first products that we, we kind of, I mentioned that we started with the massage creams, but then we've kind of transmit, uh, transposed over to really servicing athletes as well. And, and, and the sunscreen was one of the first products that we made that jump with in for, that, for those reasons. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, <laughs> I imagine that, well, the need in Australia for sunscreen is obviously far more uh, imperative, perhaps, than for uh, many of us athletes here in the UK. Although this week, uh, it was the first time this year that I've been using your sunscreen. So the last few days, it's been pretty warm by, by English standards. So like 20 degrees, quite reasonably strong sun. So uh, and I'm re relatively fortunate and I don't tend to burn, but I've nonetheless, I've been putting your sunscreen on this week. So uh, for the oh, first thanks time, very, hopefully- Thanks very much, Josh. I, I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, well, hopefully it will be the first time of, uh, of many days this summer that I'll be using it for sure. Um, one of the thing that's, one of the uh, creams that's close to a lot of runner's hearts, including my own is your anti-friction uh, cream or the concept of anti-friction cream. So uh, just tell us a bit about that one. Well, the, um, the, there's plenty of anti-friction balms around. Um, there have been for a while. Um, I suppose always the way that, you know, when we, we tackle a new product, um, we always try and tackle the problem first. And again, because of, you know, my fortune in um, being um, tapped into elite sport, not only in Australia, but got plenty of colleagues around the world. Um, when we, I have, I have great access to kind of athletes and teams and their feedback. And the feedback we got kind of on the anti-chafe stuff was there's stuff that's effective, um, but, and even like Vaseline is something that people can use and does it work to an extent? For sure it does. 
but it didn't feel nice. It did feel like there was just literally like a, a, um, a layer of motor grease uh, kind of sitting on your skin. Uh, people didn't like that kind of icky feeling. And um, there was nothing nice about the, the products as well. And one of the things that um, we developed the reputation with, with um, our massage creams um, with the therapists was that they were really nice for the skin. We put kind of nice essential oils in there and we put skin conditioning um, ingredients like shea butter and cocoa butter. And the athletes kind of said, what, is, what, is, what does our stuff have to be so boring and, and not nice for our skin? It's also functional, plain, we buy it down at Boots. Like, and, and that's it. Can't you make something that works nice, feels great on the skin and actually conditions my skin as well? So again, I've got a master's degree in research. It's like, all right, well, I'll go and research this before I do anything about it. So I went and hit the literature, had a look at it, went and had a look at all these different brands and they were, athletes are usually always right. So um, kind of came back and said, yep, this could be done a little bit different. So the difference with what we've done is we, we, we made sure that we satisfied, satisfied that brief. We made it, um, we used ingredients where the kind of the lubrication aspect of the, of the anti-friction balms actually sank into the skin a little bit rather than sat on top of it. So that was just, it just felt like you, um, like if you think about putting it between your toes or on your heels as a runner or even between your thighs, it didn't feel like you had a layer of grease and you were kind of slipping around and not feeling comfortable and light. That was the first thing. The second thing is, is we, it had to be effective. So I know a lot of your listeners kind of the middle distance runners and track athletes, et cetera. But, you know, when, when you talk to the marathoners and the ultra marathoners, it's like once we get three quarters in our race, we don't want to think about chafing. Like it just has to, it's just a product that just has to keep going and working. So we have that confidence in a product. So it's, we're not starting to get worried about it at the wrong time in a race. And then the third one, obviously, is, is just that it feels it's a, it's a nice skin conditioning thing as well. So, yeah, so we, we did all those three things in, in this product. And, um, you know, the feedback so far has been is, has been really good. So um, you're right. It's, a, it's an important product for, for runners. And we did one for men. We did one for women. Um, and we're pretty proud of them. Um, yeah, and again, and it's one of my, well, it's probably my favourite, I have to say, um, one of the ones I, I'd, I'd like to talk about actually is your um, is your warm up cream because I have to be honest I came a bit unstuck with this uh, well not unstuck but I I probably applied a bit too much the first time I used it if I'm being completely um, honest so I'd be keen to get your uh, expert view on w with the warm up cream um, when's best to use it H how how would you recommend we use it and is there a sort of a certain temperature or, or where you think this probably isn't going to be effective for you today? So when you say you put a little bit too much on, Josh, did you? Is it just that you uh, that you felt really hot with it, or what was your experience? Yeah, it, that's exactly right. So it felt like my legs were uh, hammies, particularly were almost going to combust. <laughs> <laughs> well it might have been you, you might have done a pb that day so um yeah, it's, it's had its effect no i'm only joking um well going back and like i said earlier like going back to always trying to look at a problem um you know a lot of the traditional kind of warm-up creams that have been out there for you know two or three decades have essentially been unchanged they've mm -hmm. they've kind of been um a heating ingredient which is either usually um a synthetic ingredient called methyl salicylate um, or wintergreen that kind of goes into usually quite a, a cheap kind of base that rubs in reasonably well 
Um, and when you go down to the pharmacy and get the heat creams, like they're usually pretty, um, they're, they're pretty cheap. We, we thought that um, that was something and, it, and they smell, you know, they smell like the traditional kind of heat limit liniments. Yeah. You either love it or you hate it. And um, we got plenty of feedback saying that um, people hated it and they were looking for something a little bit different. But then in also speaking to a lot of athletes, they were experimenting and using caffeine. They're experimenting and using magnesium um, and also sodium bicarb. But they also, when they said, if you're thinking about doing a, a warm-up cream as well, um, would, would like a heat in it too. So that I suppose that's the unique thing about this cream is, is that, yes, it is a heat cream. Yes, it is to try and um, help um, uh, warm you up, particularly like on a cold day. Um, but there are also other ingredients in it um, that, that are in there that can actually help um, boost athletic performance. And it's more than just kind of like making you feel a bit warm before you go out. As far as the, like the heating uh, component in there, um, we, we use a, uh, a raw ingredient uh, in, called hot flux. And what hot flux is, is um, it, it's got a heat to it, but it's got a different kind of heat to the ones that you'd normally get, um, which a lot of people would be familiar with. And we might, we have to have to make a really kind of considered choice with this raw ingredient because it doesn't smell. And that was a, a really uh, positive thing. But what we found with our testing is, is that there's a little bit more variation in the, the experience of heat that people will get from this. So if you go down the, to the pharmacy and you get, I'm not going to name brands, but one of the main yeah, brands sure. that you use for heat, most of the time, like, you know, people would say, yeah, this is about a four out of 10 heat, maybe a five out of 10 heat. And if you polled a hundred people, like they'd all pretty much say the same thing. With the hot flux, we'll get some people that will say, this is a three or two and a half. And other people will say, this is an eight. And oh, Josh, sounds like you're one of the people who, yeah, yeah, who are an eight. But again, when you look at the, the if you look at the bell-shaped curve, like most people are kind of right in that, that middle zone. And they find that the heat experience different. So most of the time they say like it's a really comfortable warmth um, and it's like sitting next to a fire as opposed to kind of like a high level irritation that some people, most people get with the other products. And the other thing the yeah. hot flux does is it actually kind of lasts a long time as well. So a lot of people say, I don't need to reapply. I felt warm for a good 45 minutes um, and it, it lasted me my whole run, for example. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really different concept and a really different cream. And would you would you recommend? Uh, is there any certain sort of temperatures where you would think this is going to really help you, or is this this is a product you can use before any run, any any sort of workout, regardless of the, you know, the ambient temperature outside? Generally, it's a it's it's pitched as a as a winter based product. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like running in tights and uh, just prefer yeah. to kind of have uh, just shorts on and running normally when it's a bit cold. Um, what you consider cold in the UK might be a little bit different to what we consider cold here in Australia, but it's all quite, <laughs> it's all quite relative. But not, normally I'd suggest that, you know, if, um, if, if you're going to go out and uh, do a session uh, that's below about 15 or 16 degrees Celsius and your skin's kind of going to be exposed, and you want to kind of feel like you, you kind of need to warm up properly um, before you really start to put the, uh, the, the pedal to the metal, um, then that, that's a great time for um, people to use this product. And then what we've found, this product we've had out for uh, nearly a year now, is that um, 
a lot of the other ones will be used right in the depths of winter and not much else. Whereas a lot of people actually kind of use this um, uh, kind of like in the spring and the autumn seasons as well, because they just like the the feeling of the, that, that warmth and, but also the, the benefit of the, the caffeine, the magnesium and the sodium bicarb and a couple of other ingredients in there as well. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting product. That's not just for the winter. I have to say it's something you mentioned earlier about the, with some of the other, brands that I'm sure people will will know because they've been around for so you know the names have been around for so long is that often and I certainly discovered this particularly playing rugby it brings back visceral memories of the rugby changing room is that often they they can they can cause quite serious stinging and uh, that's that's something that I found with some of the other heat creams is that you put them on because you want to have nice warm legs to run out to a cold to a cold rugby pitch and actually what you get is just painful stinking um and a really and a really strong smell um so it, it's good to, you know it's, it's good to know that this product has taken those things into account for sure and I, I you know i can i can back that up um one of the things i'd like to to talk about now is uh your your newest product that you've uh, that uh, has just been released uh, and it's your your recovery cream. Um, tell us a, a bit about some of the research that's gone into that and how it can help uh, runners and, and maybe how they should go about using it. Uh, well, in, it's a similar, I suppose it's a similar framework to the warm-up cream where um, the, we, we, we listen to uh, the athletic community on, on what they would like. And um, it was, it has been probably for the last three or four years, our most requested product. And people haven't said that we'd like a recovery cream with X, Y, and Z in it, for instance, like they've always, the feedback has been, can you please do something for after sport? <laughs> so what does that mean? Oh, we don't know, but like, we'd like for you to do like some kind of recovery type of product. So it's like, all right, well, that's, that's cool. Like we'll, we'll tackle that. So in, in kind of the, uh, I suppose in, uh, the, the new product brief and thinking about doing this product, um, it, the thing that we learned was that the skin can still get kind of beaten up from sport. So if you're outside in the wind and the cold all day, your skin will get a bit dehydrated and chapped. Clearly, like if you're down here in Australia and you get sunburn, um, if you do get a bit of chafing, if you get some blisters, um, even if you just fall over and get a graze, there was nothing really there that, um, uh, that was sport specific. Um, where people could um, rub a, a cream on their skin and feel better for it. The other, um, the other thing that um, was quite interesting is, is that um, there's been some uh, terrific research done over the last five to 10 years in looking at um, natural extracts that actually help muscular recovery after sport as well. And at the top of the tree was uh, sour cherry extract and uh, over in America, they'll call it tart cherry. And in looking into the, uh, into the properties of uh, tart cherry, sour cherry, is that it, it is an aqueous um, uh, extract that can uh, transcend the skin. And similar to, to the warm-up cream, and also like we've got a arnica massage cream and stuff, is that then we started to play around with the concept of do we actually put the sour cherry in the, um, in, in the, in the, in the cream as well and have this primarily as a product to help the skin recover from sport, but also have some ingredients in there that actually may help systematic recovery after sport as well. 
So there's one or two ingredients in there that are, um, that are highly specialized um, ingredients to help soothe the skin. Uh, these ingredients are used with people with eczema and psoriasis and that type of thing. So we've got that in there. We've got a, a few ingredients that really help recondition and hydrate the skin. Um, so that's in there as well. And as I mentioned, we've got the sour cherry extract in there as well. So it's a really unique, different kind of cream. We don't think anyone's even, you know, come close to doing anything similar. So yeah, it's a it's a cream to help the skin recover and also the body recover from sport. It's it's one of your products that I I haven't uh, been fortunate enough to try personally, but um, uh, Alfie has. And before we recorded this podcast, uh, I was talking to him about it, and he asked me to tell you that his legs feel amazing so uh it's certainly working for him because i know that you're quite right and there's there isn't an equivalent pr product out there that you can apply after you you know after you've exercised to help with recovery you know everyone will think about you know foam rolling and stretching and maybe hydrating and all those sorts of things the traditional recovery tools but perhaps, you know, previously anyway, we haven't thought enough about how the skin can recover. And, uh, you know, I can only take uh, I can only take his word for it. But um, he, he said that it's been really it's been really effective. So uh, it's clearly something that's going to work for, for people, I think. Yeah, I think you're right, Josh. And, um, you know, and, and I, I should mention, I know you've got a lot of serious athletes who kind of listen into this and then. This is definitely not a product to replace um, any of the other staples of recovery, i.e., you know, great sleep, uh, hydration, good food, you know, massage, active recovery, all those things that most people will do to, to bounce back and get back to another session quite quickly. But I suppose reflecting back on our conversation a bit earlier where uh, sometimes the skin just isn't considered or thought about and it just does its thing. Well, I think this is a, this is a product that highlights that, yep, your skin is important. It's not there just to look beautiful. Um, making sure that your um, your skin can bounce back quickly after a session, so you're not going to get kind of um, skin issues from repetitive trauma, particularly with your runners, um, that, um, and, and their, their skin can stay in great condition and isn't a problem for them. So that that's a big part of this product. Um, and just staying on the subject of recovery, I'm just interested because I saw, um, I think perhaps it was on either your Instagram or perhaps the Premax uh, Instagram. I think you you've been on a another podcast to talk about recovery and one of the topics was how important sleep was in relation to recovery I'm just interested I just thought this was a useful point to uh, an appropriate point to ask uh, I think you were discussing how disproportionately important sleep is uh, versus all of the other things that we think we have to do like foam rolling for hours a day and stretching for hours a day um, so I just wondered what your uh, what your opinion on that was as a as a professional physiotherapist. There's uh, there's emerging research on a bunch of these strategies for um, for recovery, and um, it's it's been really interesting to watch over the last decade or so because if you look back in the scientific literature and the exercise medicine exercise science journals, there was nothing on it like 15 years ago. But there's just been an explosion of this research done in the last 10 to 15 years. And um, the, uh, the evidence that surrounds uh, getting an appropriate amount of sleep is becoming quite overwhelming um, in a positive way. The more sleep you can get, the better it is for an athlete. Um, 
everyone knows that you know like you, you you recover and you repair and you rejuvenate and revive by getting sleep and we know that for people who are getting uh, less sleep than what's optimal is they are more they have more chance of getting injured they've got more chance of um, um, becoming tired of reducing their performance um, and then that's only in sport like and then you talk about life <laughs> um, and yeah. it's another set of things that um, as well so it's interesting because I mean as a physio who's practicing elite sport a lot um, but also in private practice where also you know I've looked after just a lot of weekend warriors who just enjoy running three times a week it's really easy to kind of get caught up in what the pros do and that they live a 24-7 lifestyle with their sport and that they're doing contrast bars and they're in um, you know they're in uh, inflatable cuffs after every session and they're getting three four four sessions of massage every week um, from their own therapist I mean that's all great but um, and, and they and they can play a part as well but uh, sleep by far has got the most evidence behind it and not only just from in the journals but also anecdotally you talk to any athlete who's experimented and knows what happens when you get three or four nights bad sleep you just can't perform as well so it is definitely the number one and it must be it must have huge benefits for you and because we're talking about skin a lot on this podcast it must have huge benefits for the skin i know from personal experience as, as a parent to a young child as well the difference in my skin when he sleeps all through the night versus when he decides to wake up all night is significant and i'm sure that 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 is more than just it's you know aesthetically i'm sure performance wise this you know uh, the skin improves the more sleep you get i won't tackle all the science in this podcast because i'll put everyone to sleep um but (laughs) but you're exactly right um the skin does actually do a lot of remodeling while you sleep as well. And um, I suppose it's actually a really good point um, about kind of skin and recovery and just another thing and, and tying that in with sleep. Because if you are, if you have been outside, you know, you, you guys have just had a heat wave um, and, but equally like if you, if it's just uh, frigidly cold for a week and, and people's skin get a bit battered up by that and particularly gets dehydrated is your skin actually can dehydrate overnight as well if you're in the wrong uh, uh, environment particularly really hot rooms. So if you get dehydrated, generally your skin will get dehydrated as well. And also air conditioners, air conditioners dehumidify um, the room and um, they can dry you out as well. So whether it's just for the skin or whether it's just generally, I think that um, not only is it about getting the right amount of hours, but it's also about making sure that you're sleeping in the right environment and also like, um, and getting the right temperature and humidity as well. And I know that with the teams that I've worked and travelled with, like we will be unbelievably particular about kind of those some of those things when we travel. And that you know, rules are air conditioners off, windows open, blackout curtains are done, uh, just to make sure that you know the the athletes are optimising their sleep. Um, And skin obviously is a part of that equation. And before we move on to to talk about uh, something else, I, I just wondered if you could to sort of finish off talking about the skin and how we can care for it better if you've got any um you know if it's linked back to the products we've already speaking spoken about but if you've got any top tips more generally about how athletes can care for their skin maybe perhaps on a routine basis um yeah yeah i think um i I suppose one of the things that i've I'd really love for your listeners to take away from this is just reframing the way they think about their skin with sport and running. 
And I'd like, you know, for, for um, the consciousness to be about three different time periods. So one is thinking about what you, what you require out of your skin on a training day or a race day, some medium-term issues and also some long-term issues with your skin as well. So clearly on, on, on kind of like a training day or, or race day, um, your skin is in charge of thermoregulation, maintaining body heat. So yes, we're talking about creams, lotions and cream acts, but it's also about the clothing that you wear or decide not to wear. I'm, I'm sure everyone's had days where they've been too cold or too hot and haven't been able to perform um, appropriately as well. And that's usually because you're just either undercovering or overcovering kind of your skin at that time. You know, the creams and the lotions that you put on you as well and reflect, reflecting back to my story about the athletes, how they just didn't like those greasy kind of layers on there. If you've got an important race day, and you're going to try Premax for the first time, probably not the best time to try it. Like it's mm. probably better that you try it on a few training days, make sure it works for you, you feel good, you're not going to get distracted by it. And that's the second point of kind of what to think about on the day is that you can get distracted um, by having the wrong things on you, whether it's tech, you know, you wear a chain, you've got new shoes, you're starting to feel like a blister's coming on. These things can start to get inside your head. And um, so the level of consciousness is, is, okay, what am I doing for my skin kind of on this day to make sure that I'm not going to get um, hot, over hot or over cold, and also I'm not going to get distracted. Then the, the medium term kind of um, implications and things that I really like people to think about um, is what I call, it's a bit of an aggressive term, is, is repetitive micro trauma. So if you think about um, like the way that you'll develop calluses kind of around your feet, um, long-term kind of blisters um, in certain areas. And sometimes it just can be the straw that breaks the camel's back for a better expression. Um, and also chafing as well. Sometimes you can get a little bit chafed with a run. Then you decide that you're going to go out for a long run on a Sunday. You haven't looked after it properly and it gets hot and it gets humid. And then you're in all sorts of trouble. You can't mm. train for two weeks. So both of the short-term and the medium-term stuff is more about performance and making sure that you're turning up to training and racing in good condition. But then there's also long-term consequences as well. You know, unfortunately, um, you know, Australia is the skin cancer capital of the world. And we know that re repeated kind of exposure to the sun, particularly when people get sunburnt, is that there are chance of getting skin cancer later in life is uh, increased. And we know that Athletes and outdoor workers um, have got a higher chance of getting skin cancer than um, what the people who are sitting in office all day. It's probably the only benefit of sitting in the office all day is less <laughs> likely to get skin cancer. But the other thing that's been really interesting in, in kind of leading this brand for so long is, is that I'm 40-something. I'm um, I've been around a while and I've got a lot of uh, friends and, and people that I've worked with who are about my age or a little bit older. And they all say to me, I so wish someone told me this message back when I was, you know, like a young athlete in my twenties or something, because I feel like I'm an old hag now. Like my skin's got spots on it. My, I feel like I've aged beyond my years um, because I haven't protected my skin well enough uh, in my younger days when I was enjoying my sport. And we know actually from, um, from some studies that, you know, like wind, for instance, uh, starts to uh, slough off uh, skin cells on your face. And in doing so, um, the thought is that makes you a bit more um, uh, prone to, to getting uh, uh, problems associated with UV rays, i.e. You know, sunburn, that type of thing. So that combination of even you know, in the UK, for instance, where you've got a windy 
uh, day that's warm with the sun shining, like I think it's really important to, to make sure that you're kind of looking after your skin in those, in those situations as well. So you're looking after your long-term health as well. So there's, there's quite a bit to think about there. And it's not something that is top of mind for a lot of people who are exercising. Um, but, you know, that's what I, that's part of my mission at the moment is to, is just to raise awareness on this. What, what do you, what do you think is the one, and, and perhaps maybe you can't reveal this because this would uh, blow open the pre-max secret, I guess, for the future, but what is the one thing that perhaps you want to focus your research for, for pre-max over the coming 10 years in terms of uh, better ways to protect the skin, maybe vulnerabilities that we quite haven't or we don't know enough about yet? That's a really good question, Josh. I mean, as far as uh, as kind of the way that we tackle things, like I suppose the best way of putting it is um, is that we're problem. We try to be problem solvers, and the people who are living and breathing, kind of being outside and, and experiencing sport all the time, um, are the ones who will come to us with the issues. Uh, and to give you an example, I know you don't get any cyclists listening here, but for instance, like you know, with cycling. Um, I'm sure we do. They the... just probably wouldn't admit it, but I'm sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cyclists get chafing kind of where they sit, and there's much there's it's quite different from where the boys will sit and the girls will sit, and um, it, it, it obviously it's kind of like on their private areas. And for instance, like the uh, the creams that um, the the girls put on, we we actually change the pH balance uh, to uh, match that to the um, to the private areas of the female anatomy, uh, which is a different pH to actually what the pH of skin is. So that is only something that, that, that will kind of come forward with experience and research. Um, so as far as kind of progressing into the future, like when we encounter situations like that, and as we continue to kind of talk um, to more athletes, like we will continue to try and uh, progress skincare for sport um, in lines with the, um, the, uh, the problems that people associate with but the other great thing is, um, is that, you know, there's so many big brands and I was bagging the, you know, like all the beauty stuff before, but it's fine. But there's literally billions of dollars invested in skin science each year. And most of it's, you know, to, to kind of improve the look of aging and, you know, the resilience of your skin and to make you look better, right? But we look at that stuff as well and say, okay, that's a really cool ingredient. And, you know, like the hot flux is an example. Um, how can we kind of bring that over um, so it services athletes better as well? So I suppose it's the it's the mishmash, Josh, between kind of understanding what athletes need, what, what's not there at the moment, but also looking across over to what's kind of be, becoming um, um, uh, kind of evidence-based and useful, not just trendy, but useful kind of in, in the skin science world as well and bringing that together and... Um, it's, a, it's an exciting space for our brand because no one's really doing it. And I make a, I make a really conscious choice to, um, and, and mission of my, my kind of working life is I keep talking to people. It's pretty easy. Like when, cause we're growing, you know, brands building, we're doing great in the UK, et cetera. And it's so easy for me just to become a CEO and to, you know, just kind of just worry about the top line growth and marketing yeah. plans and all this kind of stuff. But, I think where I add most value to to the brand and, and also to athletes is continuing to listen to, to what's going on. Um, that's a perfect sort of segue into the next bit that I wanted to talk to you about, actually, because although this is the running pod, 
uh, I'm sure plenty of our listeners would be would be interested to learn how you you went from a, a physiotherapist to although you're still a physiotherapist of course but to now the CEO of this uh, a, a premax as a, as a global as a global brand where did the where did the inspiration come from well kind of going back to the start I mean I, I talked about earlier about the problem and the problem was that you know the athletes just didn't like the feeling of skin uh, the, the the greasy products on their skin so I, I had a um, I had a little bit of an entrepreneurial bent um, at that stage I was I was actually working with both the football team and the skiing team uh, so I was I was thoroughly enjoying working in elite sport and traveling the world it was my dream like it's when I was a young guy and I wanted to be a physio this is what I wanted to do and I was doing it but um, I, I thought that I, I did think about whether I wanted to start my own business and I toyed with the idea of just opening my own physio practice and uh, doing it that way. But then when this, when this problem kind of came along, um, my, my wife um, was working, we both didn't have kids at that stage and um, she had some shares in one of the airlines and it was going really bad. And, and she said, um, that's a really great idea. I mean, I've got hand cream that I use at home that I just love. I want to put it on every night. It makes me feel terrific. Why can't you have that for athletes? Why can't they feel mm. terrific with the stuff you rub on your skin? So it was, it was at that point that I thought, okay, let's cash in your chairs. Uh, let's let's just start this on the side. And we, we really did just start it as a side project. And it was just supposed to kind of take us on a holiday up to... <laughs> Moosa in Queensland or something every year and um, if we kind of got it as big as that then it was going to be a, a win and to be totally honest it was just a side project for the first five or six years we started with two massage creams we added a third we added a fourth we added a lotion and without and I don't mean to sound arrogant by saying this or smug but without too much effort um, it kind of became the premier massage cream brand in Australia and a lot of that was just because um, elite sports teams just got onto it. They wanted to, they, they knew that athletes, athletes actually requested it and say, can you please treat me with Premax rather than other stuff? And um, it became a very healthy lifestyle business. And it, the, I suppose, you know, for the entrepreneurs kind of like listening into your, um, into your podcast, that I suppose building up to, to that level was, it was challenging like there was no doubt that it wasn't super easy and I'm not trying to make light of it either but there was a point in time where um, I had to make a big jump and the big jump came about about five or six years ago we were sending um, uh, orders off to because what would happen is that the athletes and the physios and stuff would get posts overseas and they'll take premax with them and one of the places they took it with them all the time was the UK and without even trying to get it in there, like we were in Liverpool Football Club and Chelsea and Man City and stuff. And um, it's like, oh my God, I, I, gotta, I think I've got to take this seriously. And at that time, you know, I was also really starting to get quite passionate about, you know, skins, no one's talking about skin and the issue. And I think I need to start telling a story about it. And, and as a physio and health professional start to, to kind of elevate this as well. So it was, it was those two things combined where, I thought, okay, I'll take this seriously and I've, I've got to make this into a brand uh, that stands for something and to try and make it a commercial success as well. So I took on some investment. Um, uh, that was the impetus that kind of essentially kind of um, allowed us to enter the UK market and to, um, and, and to get going there. And uh, it's been 
so much harder than I thought it would be to, to kind of get moving, you know, coronavirus and product issues and all these things yeah. obviously gone in the way as well. But um, it's been a terrific journey for me to, um, to transcend from being a pretty good, um, you know, sports physiotherapist into, you know, a brand owner that's at the same time is trying to make a difference for people's health and well-being. What would you say, because it sounds like a fascinating journey, I think, what would you say have been your, the main sort of challenges perhaps that you've faced in growing Premax, as you said, from this sort of lifestyle business that was, you know, in the minds of maybe some elite, elite athletes for their, exclusively for their massage creams into this global skincare brand? it's it's uncanny the um the similarities between what makes a successful brand and what makes a successful athlete and if there's one thing that i had to say that makes both is belief and i suppose you know in the early days when it was just a um a lifestyle brand just with a few massage creams i believed it could be a, a great lifestyle business and it turned into that but I never, never thought or believed that it would be an international global brand. Then when the opportunity kind of came uh, my way to, 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 to go for it, it was hard, you know, like because you, 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 you go from a cottage industry and a small little boutique brand down the bottom of the world in Australia to trying to cut it with the big boys, you know, like in London and, um, and around the rest of the world. And that's intimidating to start with. It's like you, it's almost like you start on the pro tour and you're the, the new kid on the block and you're different, you know? So you've got to really kind of believe in yourself and the brand that, you, you, that you're there to, to, to make something a bit different. It's no different to someone who's, you know, stepping up um, in the world, uh, you know, in the diamond league for the first time as well. So um, that, that, that was, that was, that was the hardest bit, I think. Um, you know, clearly just running a business, you know, cash flow, product problems, managing staff, all those kind of things are into it. But at the at the at the at the total base level, yeah, you have to to, to be hundred percent committed and believe that you can do it. And I, I'm just this is pure curiosity. Is there any interesting or funny story behind the name Premax or is that just something that sort of came to you in a dream or how, how did you settle on the name because if I was starting a business that would be that'd be the number one the number one thing yeah it's uh it, it, it was funny actually because um it, we, we started the brand when I was at the football club and I, I launched it and started it just before we had our second kid actually and her name is Maxine so the joke that was around the uh, the football club and the athletes was that you just you knew that you were going to do this and you knew you were going to call your kid Maxi, and um, so it was just pre Maxi, is that right? So <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that's not it. <laughs> the the real the real story is um is that I've I've got a great mate. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's a very senior kind of strategist for big brands, uh, and he was in marketing and I just workshopped it with him back in the day, and he said, listen, tell me about the product and what is it. So. This was back in when it was a massage cream only. And I said, well, it's for massage. Uh, it's premium. I want to make it really nice. And it's actually got a lot more wax in it than, um, than other products because, um, you know, the, the, the therapists really kind of want to feel the traction and the grip so they can understand what's happening underneath their hands. So it's a premium massage wax. And um, then it just got condensed down into Premax. Um, it was six letters, you know, the, the hard thing about kind of coming up with a brand name these days is that 
everyone's taken everything anyway. So um, yeah. you've got to be really kind of clever to um, to work out something. So this is, you know, now 15 years ago. So it was a bit easier back then. But um, yeah, it was a premium massage wax. We chopped it down into six letters and um, that's been it since. And, and lastly, uh, when people think about, because I think this is important for any brand, when people think about Premax as the founder and, and the CEO, what is it that you want them to think about in their minds when they, you know, when they think about Premax as a, as a brand, as a, as a means of optimising their performance? I'd like them to think about the brand and the products as being effective and really nice for their skin. So they work, they work as well, if not better than any other kind of product functionally on the market, but it's also a really nice skin experience. And that comes to the, you know, from the, the foundation and the authenticity of the starting of the brand. But the other thing I'd, I'd really like to, for people to think about um, without being self, too self-important and ego inflating is me. <laughs> and not, not that I just, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm actually a reasonably kind of modest person but I would really like to, to kind of people to understand um, the basis behind this brand and the, 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 the reason I did what I did to start it. And, you know, the way that we kind of go about kind of um, building new products and trying to service the needs of athletes as well. That's our primary focus is, is, to, is to make the experience of sport better and to allow people to achieve their physical goals and not just to be a hundred million pound business. Um, you know, we're, we're really there to, to try and make a difference and we want to be the brand that sticks around for the next 100 years because we did it. Uh, well, I think that's a, a perfect way to end, uh, Randall. It's been a real pleasure talking to you uh, for the last hour or so and I'm really grateful for you giving up your time to, to, to come on the podcast. Um, if you're listening to the pod and you haven't tried any of the uh, Premax products before, from personal experience, I really encourage you to do so um you can check them out premax www.premax.co that's co not com and uh they've just launched uh, the newest product which is the recovery cream that we were speaking about earlier uh, so so go check it out uh, randall thanks very much uh, again for coming on and uh you know i hope uh yeah i hope it goes well for you for, for premax and i hope it keeps going from strength to strength I really enjoyed chatting to you, Josh, and thanks very much for having me on your pod podcast. It's been terrific. Great. So thanks very much. What I, it's still recording, but I'll just edit this this last bit out at the end. Um, yeah. Thanks very much, Randall. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Hopefully, people will feel the same. Um, oh, I, I hope so too. And then, and I think you did a really great job of just asking me about the issues in skin in sport because. You know, as much as I'm very happy to talk about the products for, you know, for an hour straight, every single one of them, like I, the main message I want to get across is for people just to be conscious of their skin and and, um, and think about it. And then obviously our brand fits into that picture. But, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to chat and also you know, the, the great questions you asked me as well. No problem. No problem. It's been lovely to talk to you and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get an opportunity to speak again in, in the future. I'd always be very happy to come back and chat about anything else. It's would be terrific. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks very much. Have a lovely evening. I think it's evening for you guys. Um, yep. And uh, take care. All right. Thanks, Randall. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again, Josh. Okay. See you. Bye.